Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. think murder <laughs> did i say i said it kind of like that because you were yeah I don't know. Murder. murder not today nope we'll Which be is good news for some of you Christians today. bad news for some of you <laughs> oh my name is summer yeager and i'm here with my beautiful co-host joy and joy i have something i need to admit to oh, you okay i've been waiting okay you know Public sin, public confession. I'm just kidding. It's not. It's not. Okay. You just excited so many people. They're like, yes. sit up straight. What did Summer do wrong? Turn it up. Um, I want to hear about that. I, I have discriminatory feelings in my heart. Okay. <laughs> For I think um, people that you're challenging me on this because I think that people that need ice are high maintenance. Okay. And for years I've like been trying to understand. Uh huh. And there's something I've noticed about people and ice. Yeah. There are no neutral positions. I don't know somebody who has a neutral position on ice now. And I do think they go different directions. So, for instance, mm-hmm. uh, my mom, if she orders a beverage from somewhere, she is going to ask for light ice. And what she means by light ice is she wants five ice cubes. Okay. Max. Okay. If you give her more than that, she's definitely going to feel like you disregarded her request. Right. For light ice. Mm-hmm. Um. My husband, he loves icy sodas, mm-hmm. and he wants all the ice in his soda. Right, even if it means le- maybe a little bit less soda. Like give him the give him the icy yeah. soda. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that probably has to do with the fact that he's outside a lot and it's hot. But anyway, yeah. all that to say. Well, you know, or just the fact that beverages are better icy cold. You know, I just <laughs> don't. So and then and then so as I was thinking to myself today, like I don't when somebody. I hate having ice in my freezer. Uh-huh. Like it takes up space. It's just frozen water. Like mm-hmm. just drink some water or like just put your drink in the fridge or just like move on with your life okay. is my okay. feeling because I don't have an ice machine. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's almost like when I moved into the house that didn't have an ice maker, I was like, this is your life. Accept it. Oh yeah. Like you yeah, I'm moved, very much that way as well. You moved into a house. We, ha- we have an ice maker, but when you turn it on a enormous puddle of water comes out from under the fridge and i'm like so you don't really have that's not right you don't (laughs) we have a water maker right you have a water you have a puddle maker (laughs) right yeah that's useless so anyway sometimes you click it when you like rearrange the fridge and then you're like oh there's the puddle of water so then then you live there for years we've never thought to call anybody about it but whatever but then you put me in a position Uh where you offered me a beverage yes that was going to require ice right Otherwise, it and wouldn't I was be like, worth the beverage. Now yeah. I'm in the one position where I will accept the drama of ice. Uh-huh. Like, because most of my life, I'm not accepting. I think ice is drama. Okay. And maybe it's because I'm from a desert. But it's like, you want ice. There, I do think I what? do think people can be dramatic about ice. So I can drink drinks without ice. And I used to. I used to carry a gallon jug around with me. And so I got used to drinking... Yeah. Just room temp water mm-hmm. because that's what you had, what I had. And because it's the desert. But then I was pregnant with Georgia that yeah. summer and I was like, I just want all my drinks to be icy, icy cold. Right. And ever since then, I've, I'm at least, you're hooked on I'm ice. not dramatic, but I'm willing to admit that drinks that are meant to be served cold are just going to be better if they have the icy coldness yeah. of 
and that requires a lot of ice in Arizona. It requires because a lot of Because if you put effort. five ice cubes in your drink, they're just going to They're melt. not doing anything. You need to put <laughs> enough ice in the cup to right. sustain a cold environment. Or all you've done is make your drink watery. Right, yes. Which is how I feel about ice. I feel right. like when you give me ice, you just made my drink watery, mm-hmm. which is what I, I don't want that. But if you put enough in there... Right. It stays ice. No, that's true. Anyway, I, so what I what having this discussion has helped me think through is why I find ice to be a high ma- it's an issue of high maintenance because it does require maintenance where we live right. to keep a drink cold, which mm-hmm. is why obviously you get the kind of cup that keeps everything cold right. and leave the ice drama alone. Anyway, <laughs> Ice is drama. Y'all are drama. I'm not here for it. Like, it's so hard. Sometimes I think to myself, self, when like when I'm having like a, mm-hmm. when I'm inviting people over, like I have a 0.2 second thought that like it lasts that long where I'm like, maybe I should provide I-. before I can yeah. finish the maybe I should provide no, I, ice. I, I am I'm the like, type no, of person no. that's more likely to buy a bag no. of ice to cool off smaller beverages not, not like it. if people are coming over don't exp- there's no ice um, here welcome to the desert but the beverages are in the fridge so they'll be cold i just love i just love ice i just it's yeah it's just delicious i have to and the way I it accept. like here here oh do you guys hear that i don't like it oh, yes. <laughs> you know what i just don't it's enjoy that soothing. that is not no asmr soothes me <laughs> ASMR stresses me out so badly. Um, I know that the ones that where they eat like deodorant and stuff uh. those really stress me out. <laughs> oh, you don't like when people eat deodorant? Yeah, I just think. Imagine that. Like we all thought ASMR. Imagine our response to that was like, "What are we? What exactly are we doing here?" Right. And then it's like, "Oh my gosh, what are we doing what here? What are we doing here?" Right. Um. Anyway, that's my story. I've confessed. <laughs> well, uh, you're right about... I, I don't yeah. know if I agree, though, so maybe I shouldn't... I'm right that you're but, joy. Yes, you're right. I am joy. <laughs> I, I nailed that. And I like ice in my beverages, though I'm not at like the top tier of picky when it comes to no, ice. No, I don't think you are. Mm-hmm. I'm totally willing to accept beverages without yeah, you are. ice. Mm-hmm. I think at minimum, if you're going to provide someone with a cold beverage, you just have to like be, to be able cold. to serve it to them cold, yeah. whether that's through ice or through Just through the refrigerator. refrigerator. Don't be drama. Just <laughs> put it in the fridge. Leave the drama. Well, and some people <laughs> agree with you to the point where they have drink fridges because they're like, we can't, we have too many drinks to, to even. Can y'all just drink some water, please? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's not a bad message for everyone. <laughs> everyone listening right now, Can drink water. Can you just water. hydrate, please? <laughs> Anyways. There are people who don't drink water, and that I can't understand. <laughs> that I don't understand at all. No. When I don't... But... Dr- no. What is... <sighs> Your skin is mad at you. Anyway. <laughs> it's not my problem. <laughs> at the very least, your skin is mad at you. Minimally. Your skin isn't having a good time. That doesn't... Not my problem. <laughs> Minding my own business. Right. Yes. Yep. That's it. That's all I got. Welcome. <laughs> Somebody out there is mad. Okay. Well, what's new? Yeah. Um. Okay. Should we? <laughs> what? I was like, do we? I was like, who would we issue an apology to? The ice Iceland? people. <laughs> Greenland. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's a whole complicated. Didn't we buy thing. Greenland? Us. <laughs> Not personally. <laughs> The Americans. Yeah, just so you know, <laughs> you guys. Listen, I, you know how we were talking about how we had something excited to share we, with you guys. We've officially purchased Greenland, so thank you if you would like to. Trump tried to buy Greenland. It, that this... does sound like something he do. <laughs> he wanted to trade Puerto Rico for Greenland. <laughs> <laughs> this happened like last year, twenty nineteen or something. It didn't work. It didn't work apparently. Yeah, I feel like it's more complicated than that. Yeah, I don't know. I'll trade. Like, I'm sure you have to sign at I least a few things I, to trade countries. I just thought, how does that work? I don't is it, know. It, because because is this Denmark- like a starting lineup? 
Can we like draft different people to our team? We'll switch. We'll switch you for this person. I mean, it was probably a smart business move, honestly. But anyway, I don't. Why did I just say that? I don't know why I said that. Oh, because we're apologizing to Iceland, and then I was like, "Well, Greenland is actually <laughs> is actually the icy one, so it doesn't matter." Um, you can leave us a voicemail at four seven zero four six five zero four seven five. I did have some questions about book club, so I just wanted to highlight for you that you're free to join at any time. Um. Amazon, probably any minute now, probably by the time you're listening to this, we'll finally have some more copies of Fair Sunshine. You can also buy them at Banner of Truth. And people are like, you know, is it too late to join? And I have a couple things to say to that, which is number one, just buy the book, even if you're not joining. Yeah. Read the book, even if you're not joining. Have it in your library, even if you're not joining. It's totally my portion, worth- My portion of this episode could stand as a promotion of this book okay <laughs> so yeah yeah yes. so you know just it's a good and book yeah to it's have. a little i do think that starting right in the middle of it you do reading the whole thing from the beginning to the end does provide some like context for some of the mm-hmm. specific terms and events and mm-hmm. um so i don't yeah. know how much i'd recommend well, I don't know. I feel like it's just a book with a learning curve. Even yeah. if you started right in the middle, you're just going to have to look stuff up to, unless yeah. you like just really know your covenant or history. Right. But Which I'm learning most of us don't. Right. But I also think if, if every book club discussion that we've done, if you sign up for book club is available to you. Right. So you can, if you want to go back and do the love thy body videos, right. you can. Yeah. Um, and that was the first one we did back in 2019. So all that to say, um, we definitely try to run, I think, a low maintenance book club where you can make it work for you. We still have several weeks left in Fair Sunshine. So if you want to join, I think you could watch the past videos or just jump in um, or just jump in without the book because you're going to get the discussion and, right. and learn something, I hope, yeah. um, if you don't want to buy the book. But I just think that would be silly. You should buy the right. book. But anyway, so all that happens at patreon.com slash theologians. And hopefully that answered some questions that you guys have been having about that. Um, we are going to be at the Cross Politic Conference in September. That's we are. September 9th through the 11th. I forget what day we're speaking whoops i think the 11th i don't know i don't know yeah we're gonna be there the whole time so yeah regardless of what day we (laughs) come say hi um and we're just gonna have a super fun time so that's uh september 9th through the 11th and you can find all the info for that at i think it's crosspolitic.com i should know that okay i'm gonna go go grab my copy of fair sunshine while you do that grab that so, yeah, crosspolitic.com, and if you just look up, oh, man, I'm the worst. Maybe I'm sending you guys to the wrong site. <clears throat> but anyway, uh, we are going to be talking about, oh, flfnetwork.com. That's where you want to go. Sorry. FLF, that stands for Fight, Laugh, Feast, flfnetwork.com. Uh, and you can get all the information about the conference there. We are going to be talking about what it means to be a female and how we do that in our day and age. Oh, that's scary. My face is right there on the website. Anyway, <laughs> uh, what a weird headshot. All right. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we're moving right along. I look oh, really man. sure about something. Anyway, um, all right. So today is going to be one of those episodes where it's uh, intentionally very random. We have some listener questions that you guys have sent in that we're going to answer. Apparently, Joy has some stuff uh, to talk about from Fair Sunshine. Oh, yeah. So we're also just talking about, I don't know, just our, things... own, our own little asides that we're thinking about, things we're learning, conclusions yeah. we've come to. Which is really just every episode, I suppose. <laughs> Facts. Yeah. So do you want to start with that question I sent you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. So the question. I have it here if you. 
um, was basically in your last podcast episode it was mentioned that you wouldn't just hand a bible to an eight-year-old oh this is not the one i was thinking of this is a good one let's do it oh okay wait was there a different one yeah um i was the 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 lazy one yeah lazy day yeah well which one should we do should we just let's do both of them okay it is that episode (laughs) okay well let's just start with the Oh, gosh. Now I figure. Okay. I was listening to your latest podcast about respectable female sins. I have a question if you were saying that being lazy is a sin or that like all of our time or sorry, or that like all of our time is to glorify God. So if we do have a lazy day, it needs to be used to glorify God. That's the question. I mean, and you said this was yours. Um, I think the answer is yes to both of those. Okay. I don't think it's an either or. Laziness is a sin. Right. So. Um, yeah, you're not supposed to be. Lazy. Lazy, undisciplined. Mm -hmm. You're, we're supposed to work, especially some of us are supposed to work to like support our families. Mm -hmm. So it's certainly not, uh. You're, yeah, we're not allowed to be lazy. Um, but also when we do have a, this is just one of those situations where like, it's important to be able to discern lazy use like in its context. So when someone says lazy day, you don't think the same thing as like sloth, right? you know? Um, and so if what you're saying is we need to glorify God, even in our recreation time, Mm-hmm. then the answer is also yes. Right. Um, that doesn't mean you can never, ever do anything. Well, I guess rather than put it that way, what we would say is that there is a, a list. I don't know if it's quite a spectrum, but there are many ways for you to recreate to the glory of God. Yeah. Some of them require more discipline and Mm self-control than others right and our point would simply be that if you are just going to the god glorifying recreations that allow you to do no work exercise no discipline and no Mm self-control and there is nothing productive that ever comes from it Mm -hmm. that that is laziness Mm -hmm. or apathy even If you want to put it that way. Mm -hmm. But so, yes, both. It's not really an either or situation. They both Mm -hmm. laziness is a sin. And we do need to be Mm -hmm. using our free time, our lazy days, whatever you want to call it, to glorify God. Um, And that's not one of those things that, again, that's not one of those things that we need to be peering over our neighbor's fences to check on. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be up to you, your husband. Mm-hmm. Um, if it, if it's bad, maybe your church, <laughs> but um, mm-hmm. so it's not, so we didn't, we don't say, we say it as an encouragement mm-hmm. to you and not um, to equip you, not to appoint you to the busybody task force. Right. Yeah, so the second part of the question, if we do have a lazy day, it needs to be used to glorify God. Uh, Yeah, yes. Mm -hmm. And here's, so you actually are, I think, prescribed by God to have a quote unquote lazy day (laughs) once a week. And what I mean by that is a restful day, a day of rest um, to take your Sunday seriously and rest. And I think God is so wise and gracious and all knowing and, and so merciful in giving us, you know, saying like six days you shall work and on the seventh you shall rest. And obviously whether you're a Sabbatarian or not, uh, we are to set apart a specific, a specific day a week for worshiping the Lord. Your Sunday shouldn't look like your Monday. And, uh, but we I also think... know, we also know that the Sabbath wasn't a day for no exertion at all. Right. The Bible is very clear, pretty over, 
over and over again, the mm-hmm. New Testament uh, hits this like, oh, so what? You do nothing. You don't walk. You don't even walk a certain amount of paces. Right. Like that's not the command. Right. We So I'm not I'm talking about the intentional worshipful rest that we should be participating in on Sundays. And I think a lot of people in our culture, we talk a lot about how burnt out we are, but it's like, well, yeah, you're not working and resting in the way that God has prescribed Mm -hmm. for you. Like, are, are like, are you taking an intentional Sabbath every week? Are you taking a break every week? Are you stopping what you're doing every week and really focusing on God and his worship and coming to church prepared. And I just think there's a lot there that we miss out on, but yeah, there is no such thing as a day where we're allowed to take off from glorifying God. Like this is my day off from glory because I'm going to be lazy. Like that's not a thing. So I just think, uh, we also, before we move on, cause this isn't the, <laughs> we have other things, Yeah, but I think we also, need to be careful um, in how and what we call sin. So there are times where I'll say to my husband, like, oh, I had a lazy day today. And he kind of laughs because he knows, like, what I meant by that is, like, I did a little less school with the kids Mm -hmm. or, like, I did a little less of everything I normally do. Um, And he's like, wait, but you said anyway. So it's funny, but it's like. We should always be using our time to glorify God. And sometimes a great way to glorify God is to like have a family movie night right. or to walk around a bookstore. Like now, if you just lived a life where all you ever did was watch movies and walk around bookstores. OK, <laughs> that's a problem. Right. Uh, but sometimes doing those activities is does glorify God and is, is a good use of your time. Um, we're Christians. We believe in fun. We believe in feasting. Mm -hmm. We we're pro all of that. And I, I wouldn't consider that quote unquote lazy. Yeah. So anyway, right. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So the other question that you started reading, um, in your last episode, well, this was written. It wasn't in our last episode. Yeah, right. It was mentioned that you wouldn't just hand a Bible to an eight-year-old. I have been, and I think they were trying to like quote us there. Right. I have been encouraging my nine and 11-year-old to spend time each day reading their Bibles. So how do you both approach this? How do you encourage your children to read their Bibles? And what does the follow-up with that look like? So... I think she was quoting me there and we were talking, I think it was about maturity. Right. Um, and what I was saying, I do hand my eight year old a Bible. <laughs> um, actually she did her Bible reading before I even woke up this morning. So <laughs> it's not true that I handed it to her. Um, what I meant by that. And I would have to go back and listen to the context to be more explicit, but I, I know that what I believe <laughs> on this topic is that, um, you should be there and be available to have discussions with your kids about what they've read in the Bible. So for example, today in the Bible reading challenge, the reading was uh, Romans 13 through 16. And uh, my other daughter accidentally opened to first Corinthians and she read first Corinthians 13 through 16. Mm -hmm. And she came to me and held all these questions about praying and prophesying and speaking in tongues and women being quiet in the church. I mean, of course, you know, it's like 8am and she's read this and she's like, wait, hold on. Mm -hmm. She has so many questions. Um, and so that's what I mean. I mean that when you have an 11 year old reading first Corinthians, you need to be available they need discipleship, not just to be handed the this book that is complex, complex, and yeah. say like it, this is not the same as like here's Anna Green Gables. Right. I don't need to read Anna Green Gables with my child, but she had questions, and First Corinthians is some like meaty material, right. yeah. and I need to be able to answer those questions for her. Like yeah. I need her. I, I don't expect my 11-year-old to read a le- First Corinthians 13 through 16, just randomly read those chapters right. and be like, oh, okay, cool. Just interpret that however you desire. Right. 
Right. It's totally universal. Whatever you get from it is exactly what it means. Right. Which we're at. Mm-hmm. We are right. in that. Right. We're in that. Like, I was reading this passage that doesn't apply to me at all in any way. Mm-hmm. And it made me feel like this. So now I've drastically changed my theological positions on right. X, Y, and Z because reading the Bible right. is purely an emotional mm-hmm. experience. Yes. And so... What I what I mean is you should can you should continue. I don't encourage my kids to read the Bible. I require it. <laughs> I do both. Um, I encourage them by inviting them to be a part of something I'm already doing. And kids naturally have an inclination to want to do what you're doing. Right. So I'm doing the Bible reading challenge, and I encourage them and champion them in doing it. But I also assign it. Like, I assign it as part of schoolwork. Like, right. hey, part of the things you're going to do today is read this. Sometimes we'll do it together. Sometimes we'll do it out loud. Sometimes I'll play the audio. Like I said, when I woke up this morning, my eight-year-old had already done the reading because she knew I was going to assign it, and mm-hmm. she wanted to get a jump start on it. And so, great. I praise that. And my kids are excited. They if they think it's really cool uh, that they'll have read the New Testament this summer. So it doesn't really require a lot. Um, yeah to make that happen so anyway i hope that answered your question um what should we where should we go next should we do the veterinarian question um yeah okay (laughs) okay this one's all you just kidding (laughs) um all right so this was an interesting message we got from a veterinarian She said, though my daily business relies on the human-animal bond, something real and good, I find so many people, mostly women, who have an absolutely unhealthy attachment to their pets. On the surface, my job seems like it's about animals, but it's always about the people. I love being able to love on and build relationships with people through their animals. But this concept seems something I'm struggling to understand and also to help guide folks through. This phenomenon has gotten far worse since COVID, and it is so dangerous. Daily, often multiple times a day, I'm actually counseling people, again, mostly women, through this. Many of them won't allow their husbands in bed because the pets need it more, or forego going on family vacations because the dog can't be alone, or won't consider having kids because it would take away time from the dog. I'm watching marriages be ruined, kids being sidelined, and women losing joy in simple things because the pet is now so needy it really can't be without them. These conversations are becoming far more frequent. I'm trying to nail down the exact issue here for some time. I think it's a complex issue, but ultimately as a Christian, I think it comes down to what does dominion mean? And so anyway, she is asking for what do we think this is? Uh, Why is this phenomenon happening? Okay. Well, so I'm going to say why she said that it's complex Mm. and then you take, you take the other part. Okay. Um, cause I think the reason this is a, I think the answer to this question is fairly straightforward, like many things, but the part of it that's complex is the emotional part of it. The part of you that, of the part of humans that legitimately create bonds mm-hmm. with animals, mm-hmm. um, to the point where they have these intense, intense feelings for their animals. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not wrong. That's normal. That's. Uh, I mean, depending on what culture you're in, maybe a little more naturally occurring. Different cultures treat their animals differently. Differently. Um, But yeah, it's undeniable that you create an emotional bond that's not, it's a social relationship that's not the same as a human, but Mm -hmm. it provides a lot for Mm -hmm. people. Um, And even just like, you know, there's tons of science that talks about... uh, animals and companions and especially um, in people with like developmental disabilities or people who Mm. are experiencing neurological issues or yeah um, there is something about animals that humans Mm -hmm. connect with I think it's that we're their caregivers Um, but uh, yeah we're we have dominion and over Mm. animals and we're stewards of animals Mm-hmm. Um, and some animals are particularly special and smart and kind, mm-hmm. or they've been through especially difficult times 
with you or sometimes they've sometimes depending on where you are in life your animal has been through more with you than any other human being that you know um and so i think the reason that we allowed allow it to get this bad mm. is because it is a gift that we've turned mm. it's 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 a gift that we were given that we have taken and become unfaithful mm. with mm-hmm. um but it's i do definitely want to just acknowledge that mm. it's like losing an animal or having I know a lot of people agonize just over like, what is the cost? Like I can't afford, Mm. I can't afford to spend thousands of dollars on a surgery for my dog. Like I would my daughter. Right. Um, but I want, I wish I could, but I can't. Right. And, and, um, I don't know. I guess I just think it's, it's, it's not really a complex Mm. question, It's but it is, it is hard whenever you're dealing with, people's emotions and so our answer I guess I just wanted to be really clear that our answer is not to disregard like the relationships that humans and animals can have sure because I think it's I don't know it's just an area where I don't it's not that I'm like afraid to hurt someone's feelings but I don't uh it really is like a tender emotional thing and Mm so I have no desire to hurt anyone's feelings right. on this. Right. So. Right. Well, and I mean, you know. We but, w- you know, maybe your feelings do need to be a, like, if you're being unfaithful, it might hurt your feelings a little bit, but we're not trying to hurt your feelings in any unnecessary <laughs> sure, way. Sure. Well, and, you know, when it comes to things of like outright sin, like she listed, not, oh, yeah. so like not allowing your husband in bed. Like kicking your husband out of bed to put yeah. your pet in bed, mm-hmm. that's a sin issue. Yeah. That's yes. not a complex emotional issue. Like you're in sin. That's right. not okay. Yeah. Um, and so stuff like that, yeah, we would say, well, that's sinful, period, end of story. Right. Um, it's not sinful to have a bond with a pet. Right. It is here's where the sin is. Um And it's not sinful to be sad about losing a pet. No. That's not at all what we're saying. Right. Uh, what she's talking about is this like intense, this relationship with your pet that you don't have with humans. Right. That's more intense than you have mm-hmm. with a human. Right. That is sin. And I think it's as simple as the fact that Paul tells us in Romans one that you will worship creation or you will worship mm-hmm. the creator. Like everything comes down to that. Worshiping creation or worshiping the creator. And Paul even says in that verse, sometimes what's being worshiped was that you replace God with the image of birds, four-footed animals, and crawling creatures. Like he says right there, you will worship those things if you're not worshiping God. Right. That's what the scriptures tell us. So I really think a lot of this comes down. It's worship. It's creature worship. It's preferring creation to the creator. I've definitely, um, I remember the phenomenon growing up of hearing my friends say things like they are more sad when a dog dies than when they find out a human's died. Right. Um, and what is that? I think that is worshiping creation and despising the image of God bearers around you. You prefer creation to the image of God. And that is wicked and sinful. Mm -hmm. It is not more tragic when a dog dies than when an image bearer dies. Right. And that's just, that's, well, and when you, like (laughs) when you're a dog mom, there's no, there's nothing against being owning a dog or owning an animal. Right. You're free to own a dog, but you must know (laughs) That the, the, um, be fruitful and multiply does not apply. So like any, any commands that are given about children or any of the, the, uh, benefits of children do not apply to. You're not a mother if you get a dog. Right. That's not, that's, 
That's not true. It's just different. It's just different. There's nothing. I don't need to explain to you why raising a dog is different than <laughs> right. raising a kid. <laughs> I really that's don't just have totally, to. And the point of it is totally <laughs> different. And that's what I guess what I'm saying is that when you raise a dog or <laughs> raise a dog, I don't even know what I'm saying. When you have a dog, <laughs> yeah. when you own a dog, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's totally different than preparing an arrow that is... That An immortal is, soul, that's... right? That is that is acting out the dominion mandate, right? And is going and making disciples, right? Like that's it's just totally different. You can't. You have to be careful not to right. mix the two. Yeah, up. So but yeah. there's nothing wrong with owning animals, right? We're not all. against having but... animals, but <laughs> yeah, I think in this situation, this intense, this supplanting of love and passion for the image of God to uh almost like a a a preference for creation right a preference for that which does not carry the image of god i think it has to do with i think that's a rejection of god in a way and i also think that it is worshiping creation instead of the creator so in that way i don't think it's a complex issue at all i think it's something that we should expect on the unbelieving world to do. Um, I think that especially if you listen to really like vocal pro-abortion advocates, um, something that many, many of them have in common is that they are like, they're the PETA types, you know, they are, they're vegans because they don't want, because they're against any kind of quote unquote cruelty to animals and, you know, whatever belief you have about that, there is a marked hatred for the image of God and a marked passion for creation that I think is exactly what describe that absolutely describes the darkened mind from Romans one. Mm -hmm. So that's, yeah, that's good. Okay. Um, why don't you tell us about your thing, a thing, a thing, like what I've got going on. Yeah. Okay. So I've been having all these like really deep, thoughts <laughs> and I guess what I mean by that maybe some of you know this about me maybe some of you don't but what I do is I like I sort of I'll like chew on something mm-hmm. for several months mm-hmm. and then like new things will come and they kind of become a part of the whole thing until there's like I've noticed a whole Mm-hmm. picture and a whole fully complete thought mm-hmm. to present and I'm still like chewing on this a okay. little bit but I was gonna read a section of fair sunshine just because that is a um, the crux of the matter yeah it's important and yeah meaningful um so like just kind of a few things I guess to start I've been thinking a lot about like the world and like the weariness Mm. of the world. Mm -hmm. And I guess what I mean by that for the sake of my thought is like the weariness of the world is defined as just the realness of like the material world Mm -hmm. um, and that there's sin in the world and so the world even for the christian Mm -hmm. comes with its weariness Mm -hmm. um and that can be a multitude of things either you just live in a community where people lie like (laughs) you know right all the way down to there are people who have flown over an ocean and seen all their friends die Mm -hmm. and they've looked into the faces of people who are from another country right before they die and just like death trauma like there is it's it comes in many shapes and forms but there is a weariness that is just inherent Mm -hmm. with being in this finite place that's sinful um and obviously like obviously God is in control of all that, but there, I think it's, I don't know. I, I think you have, I think a lot of the like philosophies of this world, our Mm -hmm. current culture Mm -hmm. are sort of based off of 
what do we do with our weariness? Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really important that Christians also have things are thinking about this and have things to say about this because it's basically the other than who am I and what is my purpose? What do I do with my weariness is like, it's one of the questions that people will ask, like, why am I alive if I feel bad all the time (laughs) or sometimes, or like, what is the point of me coming to this planet to see? Cause some people, some people experience grace just in such abundance that they haven't had to deal with a mm-hmm. lot of death or a lot of mm-hmm. uh, traumatic events just, and I'm what I'm, I guess specifically what I'm kind of talking about is like the images. Like there are, I think something, I think something that sort of proves like the inherent weariness of the world is the fact that our brain was designed to be able to take a picture and remember it. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you have to live, you have to live in a world where your brain, you see something and your body will t- say like, we're going to remember that and maybe think about it at night or have horrible dreams about it, or we just won't be able to shake it. And all the th- the feelings that are associated with that, memory that you have are make you lose your appetite they break your heart like we just it's like it's just a part of this life Mm -hmm. um it's undeniable and maybe i I, like i don't know i think we certainly acknowledge it enough Mm -hmm. in our culture but we have the wrong answer as to what it all means Mm -hmm. um and uh, I guess the re- it's like I'll kind of introduce our covenanters here. Mm-hmm. But so like even in thinking about all this stuff, like you're talking about men, men and women who like knew death was coming for them. Yeah. And maybe it was because they heard someone was coming. Maybe it was because they were on the other side of the door. Maybe it was because they were someone, killed, being hunted. someone killed their whole family and then looked right. at them and said, you're next. <laughs> right. There's, but they had, they were logical, reasonable. They had fully functioning brains. We didn't evolve mm-hmm. better past right. that point. Our understanding of certain things has changed a little bit, but they, a soldier mm-hmm. all the way back, as far back as there were soldiers, you know that it's affected them. Mm-hmm. It's affected them to see death, to mm-hmm. have images of right of those things right. that you can't shake. So that is a part that is a part of our world, and we know that it's not. It, there's you can obediently grieve, so mm-hmm. it's also not unfaithful to have that image, Mm -hmm. especially when it's out of your control and it's something you like, maybe you witnessed or, um, that happened just before your eyes. And you were like, no, if I had asked, (laughs) like if it had been up to me, I would have asked to never have that picture in my head. Um, but so I think about these people who were very, very much the covenanters, they, they lived in a season where this that had to have impacted their life mm-hmm. in general. When you're at war, there is this somber thing that comes with it, which is that yep. with war comes death. Yeah, the imminence especially right. of it. Like yes, you're aware yes. of it in a way that we just aren't. Right. We don't think right. of death as something that's really imminent yeah. if 2020 well, didn't tell you anything. Yeah, some people are honestly under the opinion that they're entitled to never die. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which is just, they don't, I don't even know if they would put it in that simple of terms, but really. <laughs> right. They do. Right. Or they're claiming to. Um but yeah, so basically I was just thinking about like how the Christian would need to handle this and basically say that like you're not you're not immune to it. Mm-hmm. So the answer is to just the answer is not to just like make sure nothing bad ever happens to you because it will. Right. You will have weariness mm-hmm. even if you manage to maintain normalcy in all of your outside circumstances. You will have weariness Mm -hmm. um and 
so it will affect you and that means you need to know how you're going to handle it right um and with that kind of so a part of where this connects to like another little dot is me wondering how often are people trying to manufacture joy Mm. publicly but then privately they're in despair because they think that the bible says be joyful be content um have peace Mm -hmm. and so they think like oh gosh i'm gonna be unfaithful and i'm gonna be disobedient if i don't have those things so Mm -hmm. i should probably have those things and then what ends up happening is you have this like line running through your life where when you're around certain people you dig deep and you produce this like Mm. product Mm -hmm. of joy (laughs) you're producing this thing um and I was just trying to, I don't know, I i feel like maybe that's something we do fairly often and we don't even realize mm. that the appropriate way is not to manufacture joy, but to be filled with joy mm-hmm. as like a provision from the Lord. Mm-hmm. And then basically connecting this all back to the covenanters or basically, or just the weariness of the world, but saying like, I can't manufacture true joy. Mm-hmm. it's a gift given to me. Right. Um, right. Your joy, your, your joy has to be in the Lord. Right. If you want it to be something that's actually anchored and steady and steadfast. Right. You producing your own joy might work for a time. Right. But you're going to get stuck in this cycle of working really, really hard to produce joy and then something interrupts it and now you're joyless and now you're despairing and discouraged because you're joyless. And then you, so you're like, well, I need to just work harder. And it's like a total hamster wheel. When really like when you find yourself inadequate or incapable of something, your job is to trust God to provide it. Mm -hmm. So instead of getting in this cycle of producing and then crashing and then producing and then crashing. Mm-hmm. We, and we, uh, we sort of dramatize this because mm-hmm. it's what we see all over the place. We see people making it and then crashing into depression and yeah. making it and then having good self-esteem and then crashing down into their, their, uh, body dysmorphia because it's not any long lasting thing because actually what it is, is it's a display of you lacking Mm -hmm. faith Mm -hmm. that God will provide everything you need. Mm -hmm. And we do it all the time. Mm -hmm. Like you, you just trying to like pretend to be filled with joy Mm -hmm. Like, not only is it not what you were asked to do, but it's actually you trying to do something that God is supposed to do Mm -hmm. in you. Yeah. Um, Well, and I think the missing piece that is there for in this discussion often is, you know, the people that kind of tend to have more of like a therapeutic uh, psychoanalytical analytical model of like happiness or depression or anxiety like they really do believe well but brain chemistry is a thing and yes it is a thing and and they want to have that discussion I think that's a different discussion because I think the joy that we're called to have is joy in the Lord and that is a joy that isn't touched by chemical imbalances because it's not based on your brain. It's based on who God is and what right. he's done, which doesn't change with your brain chemistry. It's based off of you having a need and a source that is not you coming in it's outside to of meet you. your need. Right. It's outside of you. And so I think that's something that gets confused in this conversation. It's not that we believe that some people don't have like legitimate you know physical issues or oh I think I mean I think even there are all kinds of benefits to all kinds of things after you've been through a traumatic event or if you just if you're feeling low and somber and weary like there are exercise eating a certain way filling your day with certain activities there's all kinds of practical ways that you can feel happier but we're actually talking about the spiritual joy one. yes <laughs> the spiritual joy. side of it 
And and that is the kind of you can have a horrible day that is filled with so many burdensome things and your joy still be intact. Right. Yeah. And that's not some like miracle feat. That's knowing the Lord and setting your mind on things. Above. It's a miracle that God performs. Yeah. Yes. Not you. <laughs> not you. God. <laughs> well, and so um, I'm going to read this part of Fair Sunshine and then I'm going to kind of conclude my okay. thoughts because I have one last little point and I, I'm sorry we've probably been going too long or I've probably been going nah, too long. But... We're good. We're good. Okay so this is about our guy uh, Hugh McHale. Yes. Read Hugh. the book. You'll read get book. more context to him but I'm just going to read these two paragraphs here. Um, so this is him meeting his death. Mm. Just so you know that's really all the context you need but yeah. Um, up the ladder to the rope he climbed, crying, I care no more to go up this ladder and over it than if I were going home to my father's house. Rung by rung, he called aloud, every step is a degree nearer heaven. Sitting at the top of the ladder, he took out his pocket Bible, and after addressing the crowds, he read from the last chapter of it. Standing up, the napkin was put over his face, but lifting it in a remarkable voice by faith, he burst forth into an ecstatic offering of farewells and welcomes filled with grace and glory, a blessed, wondrous, and glorious amen of comparison. Now I leave off to speak any more to creatures and turn my speech to thee, O Lord. Now I begin my intercourse with God, which shall never be broken off. Mm. Farewell, father and mother, friends and relations. Farewell, the world and all its delights. Farewell, meat and drink. Farewell, sun, moon, and stars. Welcome, God and Father. Welcome, sweet Lord Jesus, mediator of the new covenant. Welcome, blessed spirit of grace, God of all consolation. Welcome, glory. Welcome, eternal life. Welcome, death. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, my point in reading that is that do you think that was from Hugh McHale or do you think that was from God working through him? Right. And do you think he knew that? (laughs) He knew. (laughs) He absolutely knew. Here's my final point, I guess the final point of things I've been saying, um, which kind of connects this weariness idea with the covenanter stuff. And it's these two words that kind of keep popping into my brain as I think about this sort of map of things and I think keep thinking the words battle ready Mm. Mm -hmm. so battle readiness and then my conclusion is that the best preparation you can make for battle Mm. is to trust the Lord to provide all that you will need Mm -hmm. whatever happens Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm So I, I love that that's (laughs) the two words (laughs) that you came with because I came with four. (laughs) Okay. Um, so the thing I've been meditating on that's very related is, and something I've been, something I keep telling myself over and over in every area of my life which is fight the actual fight fight the actual fight mm-hmm. and there's a couple things i mean by that uh first and you've already heard me say all this so sorry um a lot of times in our current cultural climate the question is asked like why are you guys so obsessed with with gender roles and men's and women's roles and this is all you guys want to talk about and you guys just want to tell people how to live and da, 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 da. and that question happens a lot like why are you so obsessed with this why are we always talking about feminism um and how i answer the question is just you know imagine because it's poison <laughs> there's that i don't <laughs> i don't like poison you can buy the t-shirt <laughs> shopshealogist.com um anyway yes. <laughs> um my my sincere belief, and I try to apply this in all areas, but my answer in this area specifically um, is just like imagine you're in a castle and the north wall is being attacked. I feel that the people who are like, why are you so concerned about gender roles? 
they're like the guy in this situation when like everybody runs to the north wall, which is being attacked. They're like the guy that's like, ew, why are you guys doing that? I'm going to go protect the south wall. You guys are so worried about the north wall where all the enemies are. Dumb. It's like you don't even care about the south wall. <laughs> that's what it sounds like to me. Right. That, that question. You the f- preservation of the north wall contributes to the preservation of the south wall. When the north wall is being attacked, <laughs> this is where you go. When you um, when you scrape your arm and all of your blood cells come and start forming a scab, that's because they're going. I take it back. The first step to battle readiness <laughs> is actually showing up where the battle is at. That is the first step. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's like and not just somewhere random. <laughs> go to the actual fight, the actual battle. This is one area where it's like, OK, I understand that we talk about this issue a lot, but this is where the battle is right now. Like this. We can't even raise son our sons and daughters right now because we're surrounded by a bunch of people that want us want to uh, us to allow them to chop off their body parts if they feel like it. So fight the actual battle. But I also mean that in terms of like what you were talking about of like despair and joy. It's like fighting the, the battle against depression or despair or anxiety isn't how can I build this up within myself? Right. Like the actual battle is turning your eyes onto Christ. Right. That's the actual battle. And then when you're in struggle with your when you're in relationship conflict, I feel like so often you end up going on these little side skirmishes. Right. Uh, and that's easy to do in relationships, maybe with your husband, maybe with your kids, where um, I think the whole conversation about who does the dishes is a refusal to fight the actual battle because I don't believe the dishes, the dishes are not the actual battle. They're a symptom of a real battle that's happening in the house. Right. Uh, but they're not the actual battle. And so a lot of times I think our, this is just something that I'm really starting to tell myself all the time, which is like why when something, it seems really difficult actually stopping and taking the time to assess why is this so difficult? Right. Why am I so emotional? And this doesn't happen in my house, but this is obviously something people talk about. Why am I so emotional that my husband won't help with the dishes? Right. The actual battle isn't about the dishes. Right. So the question is, how do you fight the actual battle? And a lot of times, and it's the same thing with any kind of spiritual discipline, laziness, um, if you are like if if you are realizing that you're lazy, fighting the actual battle isn't first and foremost, well, now I just need to be super busy. Right. That's not the the actual battle wasn't that. The actual battle is against your own apathy. Yeah. Like being apathetic about the things of the Lord, being apathetic about the time and the gifts that you've been given. That's the actual battle there. Anybody can fill up their day with task after task after task after task. That's not necessarily, and I mean, I don't think at all, going to fix your laziness. And so anyway, I think a lot of times we get really distracted from what the actual fight is. And we need to use wisdom and discernment to make sure that we're not busying ourselves with little skirmishes. We're not giving ourselves an out. Um, I think a lot of people don't want to talk about sex and gender and feminism for multiple reasons, but it's really just an excuse. Like it's really just an out or it's really just, I don't want to, I don't want to be perceived as one of those like crazy conservatives or what if somebody thinks I'm patriarchal or, and then you give yourself an out. You're like, well, there's more important things. And it's like, well, it's true. Uh, I don't think you necessarily have to fight that battle in a certain way, but you do have to be willing to is, I think that battle is fear of man battle, by the way. Yeah. I think the whole tactic of like, why are you Which is just, it's again, just, it's a lack of, trusting god mm-hmm. yeah fear of it's you it's mm-hmm. you saying well and even just like it's you it's you saying like god i don't trust you to provide for me mm-hmm. what i need in the battle 
Mm-hmm. Right. The battle might involve someone disliking me or misunderstanding me, or maybe my whole family will get ruined. Mm-hmm. Um, and and what it's ignoring is that God will provide, mm-hmm. whether that is the strength and steadfastness mm-hmm. to deal with your whole family saying, peace out. We're not friends with you anymore. Right. Um, God provides what you need in that moment. Mm-hmm. God provides what you need when in moments of persecution or when someone dislikes you or right. when someone, like if you're feeling discouraged, like right. it's, it's you saying like, Oh, well things might not go well. Mm-hmm. So I can't do so it. I guess I won't do it. Right. And it's also that ignores the cost of, the supreme value of Christ. Right. Like he's worth everything and more. Right. So you should be willing to give up friendships and family and you should be willing to be uncool and you should be willing to be misunderstood. I mean, that's a really big one. I feel for women, just the idea. And we've talked before about how like we really have drunk the Kool-Aid into believing that we just deserve for everybody to have a perfect understanding of our emotions and our intentions at all times. And if how about, how about you trust God for that? Right. Do you feel like your husband doesn't understand you and he doesn't realize that how much you do and you feel underappreciated and blah, blah, blah. First of all, you might be wrong about some of those things, but second of all, why don't you trust God? Why don't you pray to God and say, I trust you that you're going to shape my husband into the leader that my family needs. Right. And also, how about doing that work under the Lord and being happy knowing that no one might ever see how much you've done and great because the Lord sees and that's what's important. Yeah. And so there's again in in those moments when we're dealing with self-pity, but we're saying it's really just everyone else misunderstanding Mm -hmm. us like that's a moment where you need to fight the actual fight. (laughs) go into the actual battle because the battle against self-pity is never going to be solved by making sure everybody around you meets some arbitrary standard of how you feel you need to be appreciated. You need to fight the actual fight. Who are you doing the work for? Because if you're working and doing everything for the glory of God and he sees everything, then I mean, self-pity pretty much disappears. Like it goes away. Right when you are fearing God and not man. So, so anyway, I probably have maybe the more I think about this, the more I might have to add, but I just want to, I want to make sure when I'm in a conflict that, because what you want to do, especially when your emotions are hurt, your flesh auto responder. Yeah. It, you know, being filled with emotion is like, to focus on you, 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 how much you've been hurt, how much you've been denied, how mm-hmm. much you want. Um, and we need to slow down and be women that think before we act, think before we respond and make sure that we are dealing fairly, honestly, um, and in accordance with what the Lord would have us do. Right. And then our feel like our feelings and emotions don't have to, run wild past obedience into disobedience. Right. You can still have, you can still have your emotions. Yeah. That don't stray into disobedience. Right. And sometimes that is what God has provided. That is Mm -hmm. a part of his provision. Mm -hmm. Sometimes a part of the provision. And I specifically think of times like this because they still, they were being hunted down, but they still had to eat. Right. And they still had some of them were like, I know, I know within the, I know that within the next fortnight, the forest will be fertilized with my body. (laughs) That's a quote ish. Right. From, I believe, Richard Cameron, Lion (laughs) of the Covenant. Yeah. For those two weeks, Mm -hmm. he still ate. Ate. He still drank. He still praised God. He prayed. So sometimes those Mm -hmm. feelings, those emotions that you have are what God Mm-hmm. are his provision. Right. And he will provide also right. um, the joy necessary to feast right. during a trial. Right. But it's weird. It is weird. And it's one of these things, the reason we complicate it is because it doesn't make sense True. to us. Right. Because we're very finite. Right. And we om- we feel as though, again, it's a lack of trust. We feel as though, like, this can't actually play out. It can't actually work out well. Right. 
because I don't see how it could work out well. Therefore. Right. But you don't, you don't need, you don't need to see how it works out. Right. You need to trust God. Right. That's, that's it. That's all I had. I feel like we have more questions, but I just, I know we'll go on too long. I know. I feel like I could even say more, but we've, we've said enough. <laughs> we're learning. The how point to... is, is there's more episodes we can. I mean, <laughs> we'll keep doing this or we'll something. Just keep oh, doing okay. This. All right. Yeah. Well, you can leave us a voicemail and maybe we'll answer your question in the future at 470-465-0475. Um, I just I want to apologize to everybody on Instagram because I just found out that there's like. Oh, you just found your direct messages? Messages. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't understand Instagram messages. So I just want to apologize to everybody who's messaged us on Instagram. I feel like Instagram owes us an apology. Honestly. So. There's, I have 66 unread Instagram message requests and I just don't, I just found that. I didn't even know that was a thing. A so I'm basically a boomer on Instagram, which is what I need you guys to know. And I'm really, really sorry. And I'm going to try to be better about that. So anyway, hey, I hope you guys have a great week and we'll see you next week. See ya.